It's 6 p.m. You are tuned to your community radio station, KVMR FM Nevada City, KCPC Camino. It's February 9th. I'm Kelly Reese. This is your KVMR Friday Evening News Magazine. Tonight, we recap the aftermath of those recent punishing winter storms. And we've got details on a new program that foots the bill for a wood-burning stove update. Then, it looks like the doomed recession for the U.S. economy isn't shaking out quite as forecasted. KVMR's Paul Emery and former Federal Reserve economist Gary Zimmerman take us along for a checkup on how the economy seems to be faring in the early stages of 2024. That's coming up on today's Economic Report. Then, KVMR science correspondent Al Stoller has a new Alex Explores, where he speaks to some special Nevada County visitors. And stick around for the Friday News Magazine finale with an essay by Molly Fisk. A big county library event is about to kick off, but not everyone may be happy with this year's book choice. Molly takes our hand as she walks us through why everything will turn out just fine. That's all coming up. Your Friday News Magazine starts now. We start this evening with your news roundup. Owners of wood-burning stoves were likely singing their praises with the recent massive power outages caused by intense winter storms. However, not all of these heat sources are created equal. Hence the rollout of a new program created by the California Climate Investments Program and administered by local air districts. The Wood Smoke Reduction Program provides vouchers to replace non-environmental protection agency-certified wood-burning stoves and fireplace inserts with either an EPA-certified wood stove or insert or an electric heating device. A wood-burning fireplace used as a primary source of heat may also qualify. For certain communities designated by the state and for low-income households, the vouchers may cover the entire cost of the replacement. That's up to $5,000 for new pellet, wood-burning, and electric stove devices, or $10,000 for new electric heat pump installations. A standard voucher of $2,500 for new pellet, wood-burning, or electric stove devices, or $5,000 for new electric heat pump installations, is available to all households regardless of income or location within Yuba or Sutter counties to use towards the cost of purchase and installation. A news release from the Feather River Air Quality Management District says they'll be administering the program for devices located in Yuba and Sutter counties. According to the release, neighboring counties are also participating and residents outside Yuba or Sutter counties should apply with their local air district. Both homeowners and renters are eligible to apply. The program will begin accepting applications on February 20th. You can find applications at the Feather River Air Quality Management District office in Yuba City on the website at fraqmd.org and by phone or email. Call to request an application at 530-634-7659 or email fraqmd at fraqmd.org. Vouchers will be issued first come, first served and expire four weeks from the date they're issued. The Sacramento Municipal Utility District, known by many as SMUD, reported this morning that all outages caused by storm-related damage in its territory have been resolved. 
However, hundreds in Northern California reliant on another major utility for power remain unconnected to the grid. The powerful storm, which featured near-hurricane-level gales, wrecked SMUD and Pacific Gas and Electric Company's equipment, knocked out electricity for nearly 1.4 million homes and businesses statewide, according to the Sacramento Bee. Wind gusts measured nearly 70 miles per hour for Mather Airport in Sacramento, and four people died in Northern California by trees toppled in punishing gusts. At its peak on Sunday, SMUD measured more than 200,000 ratepayers without power, with four times as many PG&E customers spread out across Northern and Central California. SMUD was able to resolve all power losses by 4 a.m. this morning. However, as of 8 a.m. today, there are still a dwindling number of PG&E customers with no power, including 183 homes in Placer County, 68 in Yuba County, 27 in Yolo County, and 110 homes in Nevada County. According to Ubinet, two Nevada County roads remain closed as of 8 a.m. today. Scotts Flat Road and Easy Street in Penn Valley still have wires in the roadway. Now let's take a closer look at your weekend forecast from the National Weather Service. For those in Nevada City and Grass Valley, tonight mostly cloudy then gradually becoming clear with a low around 30 degrees. Saturday, sunny with a high near 53. Saturday night will be clear with a low around 31 degrees. Sunday, mostly sunny with a high near 52. Sunday night will be mostly clear with a low around 34 degrees. For Truckee and Lake Tahoe, tonight mostly cloudy with a low around 14 degrees. Saturday, sunny with a high near 35. Saturday night will be mostly clear with a low around 15 degrees. Sunday, mostly sunny with a high near 44. Sunday night will be mostly clear with a low around 18 degrees. For Sacramento and the surrounding valley, tonight mostly clear with a low around 37 degrees. Saturday, sunny with a high near 58. Saturday night will see patchy frost after 5 a.m. Otherwise, it'll be mostly clear with a low around 37 degrees. Sunday, patchy frost before 8 a.m., otherwise mostly sunny with a high near 58. Sunday night will be mostly clear with a low around 37 degrees. And for Placerville and Angels Camp, tonight widespread frost mainly after 3 a.m., otherwise mostly clear with a low around 31 degrees. Saturday widespread frost before 9 a.m., otherwise sunny with a high near 51. Saturday night will have patchy frost after 11 p.m., otherwise mostly clear with a low around 34 degrees. Sunday, widespread frost, mainly before 7 a.m., otherwise sunny with a high near 55. Sunday night sees patchy frost after 4 a.m., otherwise it'll be mostly clear with a low around 37 degrees. You're listening to the Friday Evening News Magazine on KVMR. The U.S. economy had some dire forecasts for the new year, but KVMR's Paul Emery is joined by former Federal Reserve economist Gary Zimmerman to discuss why these predictions don't seem to be panning out in the early days of 2024. Details ahead on today's economic report. Well, welcome to KVMR, Gary. There's been a lot of economic news in the past few weeks, and most of it was good. Uh, Where would you like to start today? in describing what's going on. Well, Paul, the 
best place to start is with the overall health of the economy over 2023 and so far in 2024. At the beginning of 2023, you may remember that most economic forecasts were expecting to see the economy fall into a recession, and in large part as a result of Federal Reserve's increases in interest rates that were designed to slow the economy and to slow inflation. Um, the best measure of overall growth in the economy is GDP or gross domestic product uh, after, after you subtract out uh, inflation from to get the actual real growth rate. Um, and by the inflation-adjusted GDP measure, the U.S. economy did quite well in 2023, especially in the second half, uh, enough so that now at the beginning of 2024, most economic forecasts are expecting the momentum from 2023 will lead to continued growth in 2024. Well, okay, Gary, but just how fast did the economy grow in 2023? Oh, details. Okay, yeah, the U.S. real economic output or inflation-adjusted GDP expanded at a 3.1% annual rate in 2023. And that is quite rapid growth rate for real GDP. Um, For comparison, the Fed policymakers in December were projecting that the U.S. economy should expand at about a 1.8% percent annual rate when inflation is down to the Fed's 2% inflation goal and the economy is running at full employment. So, you know, 3.1 is much better growth in the production of goods and services in 2023 and significantly more rapid than most of the forecasters were expecting at the beginning of the year. And, you know, again, way 3.1% growth is way better than the recession that many were forecasting. Did you see the economy heading towards a, quote, soft landing in 2024. Yes, Paul, it looks like the Fed has managed to bring down the inflation rate while keeping the economy growing. That would be a a soft landing. Um, Certainly that happened in 2023. And I'd say, again, most of the economic indicators are suggesting the growth will continue in 2024. If we look at forecasts, for example, the consensus blue chip economic forecast of about 50 forecasters, they're noting for the first quarter of 2024 that um, they're seeing growth in the economy. And and so is the Atlanta Federal Reserve Bank's uh, GDP Now estimate, their forecasting tool. By the way, that's available on their website. And that again, that shows the economy continuing to grow, but growing at a slower pace in the current quarter than it did in, in 2023. But again, expansion means more jobs, more wage increases, more economic activity. And that's good news compared to losing jobs, falling economic activity if the economy were to fall into a recession. Uh, you know, that would be a hard landing. Well, there was also a big surprise with the jobs data last week. What happened with jobs and unemployment and what was the shock that apparently most analysts had? And were you surprised yourself? Oh, yes, Paul. I, I was surprised too. What happened? Non farm payroll jobs in the economy, and that's the most comprehensive measure of jobs in the economy, rose by 350. 3,000 jobs in January, about double the number of new jobs that many forecasts were expecting for the month. Um, And, you know, moreover, the December new jobs number was revised upwards to 333,000 new jobs. Now, for perspective, these were two huge increases back to back, adding nearly 700,000 new jobs in only two months. You know, for comparison, the expected increase of around 180,000 jobs that had you know been 
projected before the data came out um, for the month, um, you know, would have been strong as well. Um, so when the economy then averages over 340,000 new jobs in the past two months, that is huge. And, you know, other things are going on as well. Wages are rising faster than the inflation rate now and the rapid creation of new jobs. These are both convincing signs that labor markets remain tight. And that's, again, good news for workers. Continued strong job growth adds to household income and contributes to consumer spending. And that, you know, bodes well for a soft landing continuing in 2024. And businesses benefit too. Um, they're adding workers to fill the shortages of workers that many businesses have faced. You know, you've probably noticed the signs around town, help wanted, uh, as you see on many businesses. You know, and there are a couple of other positive signs as well. The U.S. economy is doing much better in terms of slowing inflation with continued job growth and GDP growth than most other um, developed nations. And also the, the unemployment rate in January remained at a low 3.7 percent. You know, that is considered full employment. Well, Gary, uh, another question. Um what has been happening with inflation and did the overall inflation rate, including food and energy prices, actually fall in 2023 compared to 2022? Well, the Consumer Price Index measures the urban inflation rate for a basket of goods and services of consumer products. In 2023, the inflation rate um, for that basket of goods rose at a 3.3% annual rate. And that was about half of the 6.4% rate of increase it recorded in 2022. So this consumer price index measure shows that the annual inflation rate is trending down. And so that is good news. Um, again, then the Fed uses an alternative measure of inflation published uh, by the Congressional Budget Office, and that's the Personal Consumption Expenditure PCE price index that they use to set their 2% inflation goal. And like the CPI, the PCE inflation rate data for 2023 shows that inflation, the inflation rate is uh, trending down. And after the uh, inflation rate increased at a quick you know, 4.9% annual rate in 2022, it only rose at about 2.6% annual rate in, in 2023. So that's improvement. Now, here's a, a real-life question, uh, Gary, at this point. <laughs> okay, Gary, you say prices are higher than they were a few years ago, but will the Fed's policies lead to prices falling back down to where they were before COVID and supply chain problems caused inflation to spike? Oh, good question, Paul. Um, Overall prices and, and in some categories like you know, prices like food prices are, are certainly noticeably higher than they were a few years ago. Um, however, the annual increase in prices for the same basket of goods and services, again, rose um, the inflation rate rose much more slowly in 2023 than in 2022. And that's clearly good news. Um, from the Fed's perspective, while the inflation rate has been falling, it hasn't you know, yet consistently fallen down to the 2% inflation rate that the Fed would need to see for the U.S. economy before the Fed decides to begin lowering their target interest rates. Uh, one more question, uh, Gary. Um, would it help if the overall price level were to fall? Oh, no, it would not help. If the overall price level were to fall significantly for a period of time, that's what economists call deflation. 
And that would create major problems for you, for me, for, for everybody, uh, for the economy and, and for the Federal Reserve. It's very difficult with um, interest rates to, to turn that around. So consider this, if overall prices are falling like they did during the Great Depression of the 1930s, you would expect to see wages overall falling as well. And you know, most of us would consider that to be very bad news indeed. So deflation or falling price level, um, including falling wages, usually only occurs when you get a very severe recession or even worse, a depression where the economy is shrinking and you have a very high unemployment rate. And, you know, no one wants to go there. That's kind of the wild card in the card game, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a scary card. Gary, thank you so much and look forward to talking with you in a couple of weeks. Sounds good, Paul. Thank you. You bet. Gary Zimmerman is a retired senior economist for the Federal Reserve Bank of San Francisco and is currently a visiting professor at the Vienna University of Economics and Business in Austria. He teaches courses in economics and finance. KVMR's Al Stoller spoke with some visitors to our county recently, the Tibetan monks. I spoke with Geshe Tenzin Lekshe to learn about their visit, starting with how he came to become a monk. My parents wants me to be a monk when I was eight years old, but uh, they sent me to the higher school to able to have a, all those qualifications of the uh, schooling, educations, and knowledges. And then after graduation from high school, I was 16 years old. They sent me to the monastery as I want to be a monk. In India, we have 35 Tibetan settlements in all over in India. Uh, the biggest settlements are in the southern India. I live in a Ganden Sharse monastery. It's like a, not only a monastery, it is a, a universities of the monks the monks' academic uh, studies that we do, like uh, philosophy, science, cosmologies, and the butters, uh, like a, a ritual performance and butter sculptures, calligraphy, and all those kind of like um, ancient uh, Nalanda universities, the knowledges. It is uh, profound and vast, which is there in uh, southern India. I asked whether the monastic life was also open to women. Yes, we do have a monastery for women, uh, like uh, less than a one mile. Uh, we have a monastery for women. In that, uh, the women monasteries, we have six to seven hundred women monks. I spoke with Geshe at the home of Dale and Diane Jacobson, where the monks have been living the past few weeks. Dale made an interesting observation. The monks walk their talk when it comes to their spirituality and their belief system, you know that the Chinese have done massive things to the Tibetans, and yet the Tibetan monks won't show an anger, they won't show pessimism, they won't show a negativity toward the Chinese. You have this group of people that are just amazing because they walk their talk. 
So how does a monk train for such discipline? Does it include instruction from the Dalai Lama himself? Yes, I got an opportunity in 2019 uh, when before we come to a tour in in United States, uh, we get a chance to be audience of him for like a seven or eight minutes. And so he gave us uh, teachings that why if, um, if you go tour and, and, and overseas, the most important the task that you have is not to do uh, all those kind of like uh, uh, performance or those kind of like uh, yak dance or the the, uh, the snow lion dance and the monk dance that we used to do. Uh, focus more on how we can educate the people and have uh, more awareness on the 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 dharma so that they can able to practice this in their life and that is the only way to make others to be happy and at peace our main purpose is to bring the loving kindness and compassion message to all the people and also make have any kind of like changes in their way of life through our contribution that we are, are, are really working hard on. So that's only the thing that I am really focusing on. Our main purpose is to bring the loving kindness and compassion message to all the people and also make have any kind of like changes in their way of life through our contribution that we are, are, are really working hard on. So that's only the thing that I am really focusing on. Our main purpose is to bring the loving kindness and compassion message to all the people and also make have any kind of like changes in their way of life through our contribution that we are, are, are really working hard on. So that's only the thing that I am really focusing on. Speaking with Tibetan monk Geshe Tenzin Lekshe for KVMR, I'm Al Stoller. And now Molly Fisk. Molly Fisk, observations from a working poet. We're about to embark on something around here called Nevada County Reads. This Reads program happens all over the country, where a large group, county, city, school district, reads the same book. For the first time in the 19 years we've done this, it's going to be a book of poems. Well, really, how would this not appeal to the poets among us? I'm delighted, and even more so because the author is Ross Gay, a poet whose focus in life, judging from his website, is joy. The book, Catalogue of Unabashed Gratitude, is his fourth collection. Some people, as you know, are afraid of poems maybe put off by childhood encounters with 19th century practitioners whose language seemed obscure and old-fashioned, irrelevant, even boring. It helps, if you are one of those people, to look at the poetry we write today as closer to song lyrics, musical language not too long or convoluted, sometimes mysterious, but no more than Bob Dylan, 
but understandable by the general public. No offense to the 19th century and those of us who read from it, but it is, in fact, over. All our branch libraries have copies of Ross's book to borrow and then return on the honor system without even using your library card. Also, Ross has written more about joy and gratitude in prose, in case you're really phobic, in the Book of Delights and Inciting Joy, which you can explore. In order to help with the phobia, though, three former and current Poets Laureate of Nevada County are going to read a few of our poems to you at the main library on Saturday at 1 p.m., free of charge, and then answer questions, so you can sidle up to this scary art form and feel safe. The larger goal of Nevada County Reads is to gather people together and build community. There will be programs and discussion groups if you want to talk about Ross's poems more deeply. He'll be in town on April 13th as part of the Sierra Poetry Festival, too, so you can hear him in person. It's all good. Here's a poem I love from a different poet, W.S. Merwin, called Thanks. Listen. With the night falling, we are saying thank you. We are stopping on the bridges to bow from the railings. We are running out of the glass rooms with our mouths full of food to look at the sky and say thank you. We are standing by the water, thanking it, standing by the windows, looking out in all directions, back from a series of hospitals, back from a mugging after funerals. We are saying thank you. After the news of the dead, Whether or not we knew them, we are saying thank you. Over telephones, we are saying thank you. In doorways and in the backs of cars and in elevators. Remembering wars and the police at the door and the beatings on stairs, we are saying thank you. In the banks, we are saying thank you. In the faces of the officials and the rich and of all who will never change, we go on saying thank you, thank you. With the animals dying around us, our lost feelings, we are saying thank you. With the forests falling faster than the minutes of our lives, we are saying thank you. With the words going out like cells of a brain, with the cities growing over us, we are saying thank you faster and faster. With nobody listening, we are saying thank you. We are saying thank you and waving, dark though it is. Award-winning poet Molly Fisk writes, coaches, and teaches writing in California's Sierra Nevada foothills. You can reach her at mollyfisk.com. This program is produced at the studios of KVMR-FM, Nevada City, California, with support from the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. That's our newscast for this Friday, February 9th. KVMR gets support from generous listeners like you and Maurer Law, with offices in Auburn and Truckee, serving clients throughout Northern California, specializing in wrongful death, personal injury, and elder care cases, assisting clients with serious injuries to navigate the process. More information at M-A-U-R-E-R dot law. And Milkman Toner Company, providing local hometown service for network printers, copiers, and scanners, carrying remanufactured toner cartridges with printer support. 
serving Northern California counties from San Francisco to Lake Tahoe. MilkmanCompany.com. Support for KVMR's Future of Radio project comes from AJA Video Systems, empowering the next generation of local journalists and broadcasters. The KVMR Evening News is produced by KVMR News Director Claudio Mendoza. Thanks for tuning in to your Friday News Magazine. I'm Kelly Reese, signing off. Thank you.